0: You're listening to Do What You Want Radio, a podcast series for creative entrepreneurs, freelancers, and those ready to learn how to do what they want. I'm your host, Jordan Heffler. All right, everyone. Welcome back to Do What You Want Radio. Today, I am Skyping Saeed, the owner and operator of a visual arts organization in Dallas, Texas called Afterglow Gallery. And we are Skyping, and the connection may or may not be wonky, so we're just going to go with the flow on this one.
1: Hi, everybody.
0: Hey. (laughs) Uh, You're using your fancy AirPods, and they sound pretty legit. I hope everyone listening at home thinks so as well. Hope so. (laughs) I still don't have any. Should I get some?
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, these things saved my life. I got these last year as a Christmas gift, and I swear I use them daily, all the time. These things are like God's gift to the world.
0: I don't really talk to anyone on the phone, but do you just listen to music all day with them?
1: Uh, you see, that's the thing. I'm always on the phone. So I find that if I'm not mm. talking on the phone, I'm always on on uh, Spotify. So these things are always on. Yeah. So, Yeah. Well,
0: maybe I'll ask for some for Christmas. That's not a bad <laughs> idea. So I'm trying uh, to talk. No, th-
1: not a bad idea at all. I think there's a. What's up? No, go ahead. Oh, I think there are two different AirPods now. AirPods 2, but I don't know if there's much of a difference between that and the first one.
0: OK, well, what I was going to say is I'm trying to talk. Very slowly because I don't know if that helps the connection or not. So if anyone's listening, I'm just—it's going to be different because I normally talk so fast. So tell me a little bit about your business and how you, you know, go about your daily life.
1: You know, it is—it's uh, something that I wouldn't imagine in a million years that I've—I uh, am where I am today. But it really started because I was such a huge fan of anything that was different and weird i've always been drawn to that and i think most people tend to veer off being i want to just be normal i want to just like normal things i want to be an eight to five kind of guy so whenever you as an individual start expressing that you are drawn to things that are totally different people tend to have kind of negative um negative emotions or don't really know how to react right so I was kind of a a rare kind of person growing up but uh the art has always been an escape for me it's always been there for me for as as far as like depression or or just the way I express myself you know Mm -hmm. and I started off I started off um doing art in a group a very long time ago and i've always been fond of teams i've always been fond of doing uh, collaborations with people that i find that are very interesting as well as very talented and um so once i um the team and i that i was working with a long time ago decided to part ways and i really wanted to make a name for myself here in dallas as well as just in general and um so afterglow photography by saeed was born um african photography by saeed was my way of learning how to just take pictures and i was willing to do pictures on just about anybody i was doing weddings couple shoots engagement shoots weddings anything you could possibly think of Mm -hmm. and then i find that i found that while i was um i was doing really well on it but it wasn't my way it just wasn't my type of art and um sure money was coming in and out and it was absolutely Absolutely fantastic, but it just wasn't making me happy. Um, so I decided to do my own art, and the way we were doing it is, I created a team, and I wanted to find the best of the best here in Dallas, and I'm talking about like the best talent that the city has to offer. I wanted to give Dallas a fresh facelift and art, and uh, instead of just seeing the normal stuff that I was seeing all the time, so I we were doing all these shoots, and I and I had a makeup girl, I had lighting, we were working in a studio here in Dallas, and um, so every other month we were working on just conceptual-based theme shoots, so things like we did a David Bowie, Ziggy Stardust mm-hmm. shoot, we did a Black Swan shoot with Natalie Portman, like str- a Stranger Things uh, theme, like just things that are crazy, and um, things that are very, um, I don't know, just different, you know? And um, so whenever we started doing all these shoots, to me, it started showing off as a visual art gallery. Mm. And Afterglow came because it was from one of my favorite bands, Everclear. And um, so much for the Afterglow was then like one of their albums, and I really liked it. And um, and then Gallery came because there is a movie with Keira Knightley, it's a BBC movie, and um, basically these kids are from England and there are actually clones and um, the teachers that are teaching the clones wanted to see if these clones uh, were able to display any feelings like a generic human and so they had them create art and so they they basically said that a teacher or lady was going to come pick them for an art gallery and um, so that's the way Aftergo Gallery was born so something very different and I've been doing that ever since.
0: So, am I wrong? Is is it an actual physical gallery space or is it more of just like a collective?
1: It is actually a collective. It has been a long-term goal to eventually do an actual art gallery. It's a popular misconception. I think with people see gallery at the end of it, they assume, oh, so it's an art gallery. Where is it at? I'm like, no, it's actually just more as far as, far as my visual art gallery. So then like displaying my best work. So it's um, thus and then I let them know the meaning behind it, kind of like what I just mentioned, like how After the Gallery was born. So it's a conversation that I have with a lot of people, but people that know me in Dallas have worked really, really hard to kind of display my art, but um, they know what it is now. But in the beginning, it was very confusing for a lot of people, which is totally understandable because you hear gallery, you assume gallery.
0: Well, so how many people deep are you in this collective? Like, is it always changing or is it like a steady amount of people who are always going to be part of the organization?
1: Well, I am very particular with whom I work with and who I'm friends with. And I feel like as an artist, we should be. Um, I've always felt that art should always be in the form of a question. It should never have an answer. So because of that, I am very um, particular with whom I associate with and collaborate with. And I feel, you know, as artists, we should be. So it's basically the same people over and over and over and over again, Mm -hmm. and I prefer that. And I I say that, and you know, once in a while I add somebody new um, just to kind of make sure we're on the same page and stuff. But. Um, everybody knows that knows me knows that I'm incredibly detailed, incredibly private, and um, I prefer to work with people over and over again because we're used to each other. So it's been um, around eight to nine people, and it's been that way for years now.
0: That's very cool, and I am one of those people that had the misconception but it's because I'm not in Dallas and I just know you from the internet and you have great work and for some reason I thought it was like a physical gallery space but it's even cooler knowing that it's not.
1: Yeah absolutely yeah I I remember seeing I don't know how I found you on Instagram but when I did I was utterly blown away and if you only knew the high expectations i i put on art because art is very subjective as we all know but when i saw your work i was incredibly blown away and i was just like oh oh my god so i was just it was it's an absolute honor to be talking to you right now and, and be able to discuss art and your work speaks for itself. Well, so. thank
0: you. But that, that's what's so funny. I meant to mention that. But even like my boyfriend earlier was like, wait, who are you podcasting with later? And how do you know him? And I was like, well, actually, I don't know how I know him. It's just from the Internet. I don't even remember how we got connected on the Internet. But I've been following your work for a while. And likewise. So that's kind of something I wanted to talk about, too, because this podcast, I interview a lot of people who are local in my house. But I also have the opportunity to Skype with people anywhere. I want to talk about how the internet can be such a useful tool for collaboration and how social media can get you in front of so many people that you don't even know because they're not local.
1: Absolutely. And I, I think, you know, I personally don't use Facebook. Um, I deleted Facebook back in 2017. I, I feel that Instagram was is currently the really the best place to display your art and to collaborate with individuals. That's how I've met a lot of my friends, you know, and um while I may not agree with the algorithm with Instagram, I don't know anybody that would. But right. um, Instagram is has been, yeah, Instagram has been a great platform to display art and and really just to really just to see art that you couldn't even imagine before. Mm-hmm. And while I may not be the biggest fan of social media, I usually go on social media um, social media where I basically delete it and don't go on for about six months and to some people that's like suicide but for me it's It's my way of going back to basics and working on art and and trying to concentrate. Um, So, yeah, I absolutely love the fact that all the power that social media gives you to really display anything you want to talk about. So, yeah, it is definitely a great tool.
0: I feel the same way about just this podcast in general. Creating a podcast always sounded so difficult to me. And then I just did it and I was like, anyone can just do this. I have a podcast and it's on all these channels and it's free to do, essentially. It's pretty crazy that you can just make anything you want to say now with social media and podcasting.
1: I think that's great. And I honestly, I've been listening to your podcast from the beginning and I absolutely love it. And, uh, it is, it's hard because everybody's doing a podcast now. So it's right. like, how do you veer off and be different from everybody else? And so it's definitely something that I've been trying to do. In fact, I was trying to launch my own podcast this summer, but life happened, you know. So right. definitely we'll try later on.
0: It was hard enough yeah. for us to set a date. We've been talking about interviewing for like <laughs> months now. I've been so bad about getting yeah. back to everybody. So we finally made it happen. <laughs> I understand. Absolutely. And for me, too, as much as I love the podcast, it is my last – it is on my back burner. It is the last thing on my list because anything else that comes before is, you know, something that helps me make money. (laughs) So the podcast right now, it's not monetized. It's very fun, and I know it's, like, a great networking tool and such. But people who email me about the podcast, I just put it off until I can, like, find a time to respond. Because if it's not about a shoot or someone who's trying to hire me, it's not on the forefront. So – Anyone who actually made it on the podcast had to be patient with probably emailing me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but you know what? It is very much worth it uh, to do this, especially with you. So, again, I'm very honored to be able to do this.
0: Well, thank you. I'm sorry if I sound stupid. I'm just trying to talk slow because I can't ever tell if the connection is bad or not. So.
1: I feel like I talk so so fast. So so I'm
0: like talking extra slow. So did you always have an interest in art growing up? How did you even get into photography?
1: I got into that because um, I knew so I wanted to be an actor growing up. Right. And I knew that was something that I really liked doing was uh, I don't know, like my sisters and I would create home movies. Right. Mm -hmm. And while I was um while I was learning how to I don't know be in front of the camera and get comfortable I found that I I wanted to I loved acting but when it came down to actually doing it I just couldn't put on the performance that I wanted to do so I knew I had the talent I just didn't know where to put it right Mm -hmm. so literally one day I just invested on a Nikon D 32 was something that was at Best Buy for $500 with the lens and everything and I was like hey You know what? I don't know anything about this camera But I'm gonna just see if I'm you know, maybe I'm good at it And so literally just like anybody else would pick up a camera point-and-shoot, right? Mm -hmm. But I wanted to do something unorthodox I wanted to read that manual from A to Z and Z to a I'm one of those people that those that know me know that I have a two rule, which means I do everything that I do has to be 200 percent or I won't do it at all. I am very particular with with everything because, you know, how you release your art is, is paramount. You know, you're saying mm-hmm. this is the best work that I can possibly do at this present time. Right. And um, so photography was like, like, you know, it's just I had to be the absolute best. So thus, creating art um when i was creating all this art and i was getting so much popular you know reaction to it i was like great i gotta keep going and making sure that it's better from the last shoot and from there it just it just skyrocketed for me and it's been a blessing i you know what's funny is that i don't even take pictures anymore Mm -hmm. i i feel i stopped i stopped a couple years ago and i veered off on shooting on film and um, I don't really mess with digital anymore. And I have a pretty extensive collection of old film cameras in pristine condition. And um, it was basically a new challenge because I get bored quickly. So digital was fun, but then I was like, all right, I'm bored, What what's next? And then I discovered film and I didn't know what that was. And then I played with film for years and then I got bored with film, even though that will always be my medium. Film will always be my medium. But um, got into Polaroids and vintage Polaroids, so that was fun. So now um, I'm actually working on visual video now. So it's a visual. So I call myself a visual artist now, mm-hmm. and it's been that way for years. So I just like to think that while well, I started off as a photographer, and there's nothing absolutely wrong with being a photographer. I think it's great. I love photography, but I don't feel I'm a photographer anymore. Um, since I just stopped taking photos years ago, mm-hmm. um, I'm actually, uh, creating a second movie right now and I'm literally in production right now doing so. And it is discovered, it's opened so many other avenues and opportunities. And, um, so it's been, it's been wild learning that field now.
0: I think that's, what's interesting about creatives specifically, but, creatives in our generation too is we are all like the slash creative where we're all like photographers slash cinematographers slash graphic designers slash we can probably build a website if we wanted to but we could probably like shoot film if we wanted to but we could probably do whatever and and it can be hard to narrow down all the things you want to do and I like what you said about how you just get bored easily and so it's not like you you're quitting. You're just finding. You're picking up a new skill every time to add to your toolkit. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm surprised it didn't cut Definitely. out the whole time. I was trying to make my thoughts concise, but <laughs> um, but I i find that um, I overthink the things I like doing, especially the artistic things I like doing, and pigeonhole myself. And I'm like, well, I'm not a graphic designer because I don't make logos, or I'm not this kind of photographer because I don't do this. But in reality, like you said, we're all just visual artists. And so there's so many things that can fall under that umbrella of visual art. And I don't know when we grew up and started trying to categorize the types of things we do. Because when you're little and you like art, you like it all. You like to draw. You like to paint. You like to, you know, make movies with your friends, whatever. And you're just like, I like art. And it's funny how we get older and we start trying to put ourselves in these boxes and we kind of forget that we can just be artists. <laughs> like, if I want a watercolor exactly. tomorrow, I can do that. I can do anything. It's all art. It's do what you want, right? And so I like talking to other creatives that have the same problem as me, meaning, like, it's a good problem to have, but that we have our hands in too many things. So many business people tell you to, you know, find a niche and to cut the fat and to niche it down. But in the art world, it's kind of like the more you can do, the better, because it's all inspiring other you know skills at the same time does that make sense
1: absolutely and i feel like as artists we are you know we're our greatest critique so we we allow ourselves sometimes to feel like if we create something like oh man this is shit why am i even thinking about releasing this you know Mm -hmm. so but i think that society unfortunately is very quick on um throwing insults but i always i wish and i feel like this is getting better in some capacity but i really wish that we could bring people up as opposed to people bringing uh people bringing you know people ah, bringing people down Mm -hmm. you know and and that is um it's just just like i said earlier art is very subjective so just because you think Your art is going to be, this release is incredible. Someone may think it's complete shit, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's, and that's the thing, you know, there, I don't regret jumping into another field because like I said, like I love all sorts of art, you know, and I don't want to be boxed in. To do something specific always, like I said, I get bored all the time, so that's why I had to keep jumping back to film, shooting video, um, back to digital again, Polaroids, you know, and then now I'm looking at Fuji, like um, those old uh, mini Fuji prints, and making like collages out of it. So you know, something just to keep my mind going. And what else can I possibly say? I' very big on leaving hidden messages all over my work. Um, I like to make people work to basically understand what I'm trying to say. Everything that I release has an intended message, and it is up to you to decode it if you want to. Everything is very precise on what I'm trying to say, especially um, the very first movie that I released was called Pucker Up, and it was a tribute to Twin Peaks, the TV show from the Mm -hmm. 90s and it was also to raise awareness on mental health and why it is of paramount importance to seek help if you need help. And that was laced with messages beyond messages. And um, it's also, for the second movie I'm working on, which is called Don't Delete the Kisses, is um, something completely separate from the first movie, but it also is very big with... um, Messages and the best way to describe that movie that I'm working on right now is inception meets labyrinth and it's very big on dream You're trying to you're basically watching a movie and you're trying to figure out. What is the dream? Or what is reality mm-hmm. and it's very twists and turns and again a bunch of messages and it's just something that I've never done before But I'm I'm loving it and but with with that I'm giving it my absolute 200% best
0: so when you go to the movies or go to someone else's art show, are you looking at work trying to decode all the concepts and the metaphors in someone else's work just because like that's the way that you put out your work?
1: Yes, and it's my personal opinion that anyone that is releasing some stuff, if I'm going to an art gallery and I'm looking at a specific piece, to me there's a reason why that piece was created. There's a reason why the artist picked that specific piece to display. I've always felt that from many people that I've met, there's always a hidden meaning. Well, I can go get a piece of paper right now, and I can get a black paintbrush. You know, dip it in black paint, and I can literally just slab it on, and you'll just see a bunch of slop and dots. Right? To us, you know, to I guess to an, a um, a normal normal eight to five kind of person they would see perhaps like it's just paint that just got slabbed on real fast but to to an artist that has been doing this for most of their life and and can really understand why the artist did it you know i believe a lot of people put hidden messages and stories it's like also like why you get a tattoo either you get a tattoo because you were really drunk one night and you got one or you know most people get tattoos because there's a special meaning behind it you know so i've always believed that there are hidden meanings to what people are releasing and it's really up to us whether or not we want to ask questions on it or just perceive our own intended message like i think this is what it means you know so i've um i'm a gigantic fan of david lynch uh david lynch is a um director of uh Monty drive uh, blue velvet twin peaks the TV show and he is very big on not having to ever explain any of his work that inspired me many years ago and I've been that way ever since and it's just like why explain what you're doing that's the whole idea of art is for you to decode what's going on and so i leave yeah so a lot of my stuff is very questionable so when people are watching it, they don't know what they're seeing, but I know exactly what I did, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's very it's very beautiful at the end of a show, like if I just release something, and um, like for example, my very first show was in February of this year, and whenever it whenever it ended, I looked around, there was a lot of confused people, but a lot of people came up to me and like, Said, I really liked what I just saw, but I don't know what I just watched. And I'm like, that's the point you know, so I like to do that with all my heart.
0: I remember in college, I had a photography teacher. Um, her name's Christine Thompson. I don't know if she listens or not, but she made a huge impact in my art um, making and art digesting because I never thought conceptually before I, you know, I took AP English in high school and we would decode poems and, literature, and I always thought it was so dumb, because I'm like, well, what if they just wanted to rhyme this word with that word? Maybe there wasn't a hidden meeting. Maybe there wasn't anything deeper. And this this professor, um, Christine, she really taught us to look at art and to make art so much more intentionally. And even when you don't feel like you're doing something intentionally, it's subconsciously being done for whatever reason. So there's still a meeting. And I just didn't think that way until her class. And ever since her class as confused as I was with a lot of the artwork that we studied <laughs> a lot of the very conceptual modern stuff it really changed the way I watch movies, the way I read books, the way I listen to music, especially like an, an album in, in its entirety I try to think of that as a body of work and every single song and how it relates to it it makes me look at paintings differently it makes me do photography differently and I always thought that was interesting because there are some artists I think that just do to do but that, in itself, is the art, and it took me a long time to realize that,
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely um i um I'm just really big on on people that are um if you want to create art and by all means create it, I mean it doesn't have to have a meaning if it makes you happy then by all means, but um to me, it's just like bodies of bodies of messages that. You know, it could help people that are very—I um, don't know—not doing well in life, and they feel that mm-hmm. they have to um, give messages that way because it's their way of expressing themselves. And um, so, I am—I'm all supportive of art. I am all for people um, doing things that make them happy. You know, mm-hmm. and um, it's just not—I don't know—it's just something that I don't feel that we should take that away from anybody.
0: Yeah, and I mean, even still. Like I was saying, um, like I'm a huge fan of the Beatles, for instance, and they have gone on the record to say that their lyrics sometimes are just complete bullshit. It's just they were drunk or they were whatever, and they just came up with it, and it was funny and silly, and some people will interpret it in this super conceptual way, and whether or not that's what they intended to put out, that's how it was interpreted, and that in itself is also art. So it's interesting how, like, no matter what you think you're saying with it, it can still be interpreted in a different way by someone else and it might mean in the world to them, whether or not that's what you meant, even still that translation or that lack of translation, I guess, is still the art in itself. And I find that so interesting.
1: Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because I had released a project called Here's Not Here. And it is basically the, basically a piece where you and I have been talking for about 40, I don't know, maybe about 30, 35 minutes now, right? Mm -hmm. So it's now in the past now, right? Mm -hmm. So we're now, we're constantly, always not going in the past. So the idea behind this piece was mixing archive footage from the 1920s, 30s, and 40s, mixing it with modern day footage. So it would be me recording my team doing random things mixing together right mm-hmm. and it's just basically saying that we're always living in the past so I created that piece and I threw in a really good song and I released it and I thought it was I really liked that piece and I'm actually working on part two right now and anyways whenever I released it a lot of people messaged me and said Site, I was bawling my eyes out and I'm like why and like I was so confused you know and I'm like It was just a beautiful piece, and the song just made it that much more sweeter. And so something that I thought was just, I don't know, totally normal work that didn't think I would ever provoke emotion from, made them really emotional to the point where two people specifically told me that whenever they're really upset or sad, they watch it and they feel better. And you have no idea as an artist, what I mean, of course you would have an idea, but to those that are listening to this right now and are not an art at all, You have no idea what it's like to hear that, Mm -hmm. where you make a piece, never knowing that it could perhaps make somebody feel better. And it's just it's wild. And it's absolutely an absolute honor.
0: Yeah, I was uh, thinking about that the other day, too, once again, with music, but just thinking like sometimes I put a photo out or I post a photo. And with social media, you have the instant gratification of if your work is being you know, praised or not very fast. You can find out just sometimes that keeps you from wanting to release work because in our day and age, releasing work means just like digitally posting it half the time. Um, But you never know, like if your favorite bands didn't make decide to put out that song that they recorded or, you know, that that fashion designer didn't make that shirt that is your favorite thing ever. And so you never know how your work might be interpreted and how it could I don't want to be as dramatic as say change someone's life but truly like the stuff that everyone makes affects you so why wouldn't the stuff you make affect someone else and so as an artist it can be easy to assume that nobody cares or that it's not good enough or no one's going to understand but I can always think about like 10 songs that I'd be so sad if like those songs didn't exist and those people didn't write them and release them so I try to think of myself in the same way and it sounds pretentious but to think of yourself and your art as something that someone else might have as their favorite is um always something I try to think about
1: yeah it's crazy because I've never thought about like that before ever I just assume that you would never think in a million years that your work could make somebody emotional or happy or just feel any type of feeling but you would never provoke an emotion from somebody and I know personally with me like like the Smiths are my favorite one of my favorite bands of all time Mm -hmm. and they were only around for like five six years in the 80s right Mm -hmm. but their work um is still being listened to today even though they haven't been together in what 30 years 40 years you know and um so it's crazy to think that art can do that
0: yeah, it really is. And it it makes you have that imposter syndrome, which I talk about a lot in this podcast. And with anyone that wants to listen in general, I'm always talking about imposter syndrome. But it's such a real thing, because you're like, oh, this isn't good enough, or it's not important, or it's just stupid. And you just really never know. And so... Everyone has imposter syndrome, it seems.
1: Absolutely.
0: How do you stay productive with your inspirations? Like, where do you look to find inspiration for your projects?
1: Um, you know, my, some of my best ideas have come from dreams. The last three, four projects are all from dreams. And the, the crazy thing is, is that when I have a dream, I purposely get up real fast. It's like two, three in the morning, and I'll write it down. And from there, I just build from it. And you know what's wild is – I don't usually tell people this, but I literally have switched on this – like as far as where I sleep at night, I've switched sides of the mattress. So instead of facing a one way, I am literally on the opposite side of the mattress now sleeping. Mm-hmm. So once I switch sides to the mattress um, – I did it because I wasn't comfortable on that mattress, but when I switched sides, I found that I was just having the most wildest dream night after night. And I literally would wake up, like no joke, every morning around three in the morning and just start jotting down that dream I had, thus piecing everything together. And four projects that I've released have been because of a dream I had and if it's not dreams i am always constantly watching anything that is absolutely different like with twin peaks and i know i've said twin peaks a million times in this podcast but for those that are uh, listening i highly implore you to watch it it definitely makes you second guess um, just about life in general and um twin peaks was a 90s tv show that was a left on a huge cliffhanger on season two and whenever twin peaks was released in the 90s it was very um it wasn't seen on television yet um things that were being displayed at that time was absolutely crazy And so we didn't have internet then, you know, there was no YouTube or Facebook, Instagram, none of that. So for it just to be on TV and for people to have like game or excuse me, for people that were watching it and having like little binging things like every Sunday, like we would do for Game of Thrones. That's what they were doing, having watch parties for a show back then. So whenever season two ended on a cliffhanger. 25 years later, they made season three. And season three came out a couple years ago. So thus creating new ideas for me as far as um, watching it. Um, so it's been absolutely fantastic. So basically just right with dreams and being able to watch TV shows that inspire me.
0: That's, I didn't even realize that about Twin Peaks. I tried to watch it this time last year. And I got... It was slow for me. Maybe I wasn't thinking of it as deeply as I should have been. But I got to the part where they, find, like they say who killed the girl or whatever. And then I just stopped watching it. And so maybe I need to go Most back. Most people did. Yeah, because I was like, wait, so what else is there now? Because we found out.
1: Yeah, most people did. That show is very, um, for those that don't know what Twin Peaks is, it was basically about a girl by the name of Laura Palmer, high school prom queen that was found murdered in episode one. So I was drawn to it immediately. So whenever season one ended, they still didn't know who killed her. Of course, you had your ideas and who did it, but you didn't, you know, nothing was confirmed yet. Well, season two came and then they confirmed that Laura, who killed Laura, pretty much like in the third or fourth episode. But then from there, there was a lot to go from there. So, um, Maybe you need to it go definitely, watch it. yeah, I highly, <laughs> highly suggested
0: it. I would, I, everyone suggested it. I, I have heard from so many people that it's great, so I tried to watch it, but maybe I just need to try it again because I was not not getting all that amazing stuff that you just said out of it. So maybe I just wasn't thinking it, about it in the right way. <laughs> but isn't that interesting Absolutely. how everyone just, once again, has different interpretations of things?
1: Yeah, and I was mentioning how you've had a lot of guests on your podcast and things that I would have never thought in a million years how they affected them – it's just crazy to think of. You can perceive things just like how we mentioned earlier today.
0: Well, even like you said, this podcast, some conversations that I didn't think were the most groundbreaking or amazing episodes, like some of the ones where people have like emailed me saying that it really touched them or, you know, helped them out. So what do you think are your biggest frustrations being an artist that you or like misconceptions that you think non-artists should be more open to? when it comes to art.
1: So I think that people that are not artists forget that their artists put a lot of sweat, blood, tears and something that you think that would take 5 minutes to do may have taken them years to do and they released it and you have no idea and it takes a lot it takes guts for you to do that. And um, so something that you think that you may not care about may this may mean everything absolutely everything to this individual that released it you know and I think it's like stepping outside of your norm and realizing that just release may have been the biggest thing they've ever released in their life and to um realize that there's a lot that goes out when it comes to art when you're releasing something
0: yeah and maybe just realizing that it might not be your cup of tea but that doesn't mean that it's not valid
1: absolutely most definitely
0: yeah I um being a creative person going to art school was great because you're around people who think like you and then you get out of that community and then people are so ruthless about art in my instance I was in art school and I'm surrounded by creative people everyone kind of gets it even if they don't like what you're doing that they have constructive criticism it's great and then you get out into the real world sometimes and like well that's ugly or that's bad or I could do that and it's so frustrating because like you said it may not be your cup of tea but I mean, someone still put a lot of work into it, and that doesn't mean that it's, someone might buy that for thousands of dollars, and yeah, you could have done it, but you didn't.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. I've always said that there's an audience for everything. No matter, even if you think it's the weirdest thing in the world and nobody would ever like it, there is someone out there that would be obsessed with it. There are seven point something billion people, someone will like it or perhaps even love it. That's
0: a great quote. That might be your little quote graphic I make, because... I find, I find that to be pretty motivational. Where can everyone find you and keep up with your work and Afterglow Gallery?
1: So you can find me on Instagram under Afterglow Gallery or you can find me on my website, afterglowgallery.com.
0: I'll make sure to link all of your stuff so everyone can go see it. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for listening to Do What You Want Radio. As always, you can find all the tools and links that are referenced in this week's episode at dowhatyouwantradio.com in the show notes. If listening to this podcast has brought you any value at all, Please take a moment to go subscribe, rate, and review Do What You Want Radio so that I can continue to reach creatives just like you and me. Doing this podcast is a lot of fun, but it takes a lot of work as well, and I do it all by myself. So I really appreciate those of you who keep listening week after week. You've already dedicated a lot of your time to listening to my voice, talking too fast probably, but if you're not tired of me yet, you can keep up with me, my photography work, and the creative services, products, and workshops I offer at jordanheffler.com and at jordanheffler on Instagram. If you want to be hardcore informed, subscribe to my weekly newsletter to get a free branding worksheet, as well as weekly tips and promotional offers for my digital products and merchandise like Lightroom presets, Instagram overlays, t-shirts, hats, and everything else you didn't know you needed. You can sign up at jordanheffler.com slash subscribe. Thanks again for tuning in to Do What You Want Radio. I just want to let you know that you're probably doing a great job and you probably deserve a beer. So go get one. See you next week.